there. And uh, they put their lives in harm's way every day uh, for the sake of the gospel. Today we had planned on making this a missions Sunday. But um, with their agreement, we felt like we should shift and flow with what is pertinent to us now. So they'll come back and be with us. I think they're headed home pretty quick. But uh, this is the end of their trip or we could have just switched Sundays. But they'll be back with us. And uh, they're, I've asked them to go to the to the uh, cafe right after service so you can go by, shake their hands, ask them questions, get to know them. Uh, these are people we love and we want to be a part of what they're doing. And it's important that you get a chance to meet them personally. So God bless Mark and Michelle and their, their family. Um, we've been in emergency mode uh, now for several, uh, almost two weeks as the storm began to target South Texas. Um, so we kind of got to a break point here in South Fort Bend County. Uh, and about the time you and I started saying, okay, the water's going down and all we got to do is pray for the levees to hold. How many of you glad the levees held? Thank God. If you're living along the banks of the Brazos, uh, you were in great jeopardy. Thank God for, uh, the levees held, all the men and women that built the things, designed the things, maintained the things. Hats off to them, whoever they are, for building those levees where they could hold water at that level. It saved a lot of heartache and pain, a lot of destruction. So about the time that we sort of broke over here and stores opened and restaurants opened, it really broke loose uh, in Beaumont and Port Arthur, Needleland, where our other two campuses are. And um, I felt the need to go there immediately and did so. Um, I traveled through very deep water for a long time, got in the middle of it and thought, this is about the stupidest thing you've ever done. <laughs> It'll be a long time before you swim back. But I got in behind an 18-wheeler, let him part the wave, and I just hung on his bumper and got my little half-ton truck there without any problem and arrived in the middle of a real crisis as they were evacuating Port Arthur, which is the city adjacent to our Needleland campus. Because it's a coastal city, it always it flushes everybody off the coast, and they're getting to higher ground. Uh, the, they opened up an evacuation center in the Civic Center. The Civic Center flooded, and so they're moving them further in. So our church, under Randall's leadership, impromptu, in uh, top two basis became a temporary shelter. With We didn't have a roll of toilet paper or a bottle of water. The guys went there to surver, survey the damage because that every building we own in Needland was flooded. So they're there just surveying the building to say what happened. Before you know it, we had almost 500 people there sitting in the balcony and on the pews, wet carpet and the foyer. And um, so we put the word out and uh, people began to bring us water and peanut butter and bread and whatever they could get. And uh, so the county was creating shelters, and as they would stay with us, and then they would get transportation to the shelter, or maybe their family would come pick them up. And uh, it was quite, a, quite an ordeal uh, in, a, in a building that had just hours before had 12 or 14 inches of water. Now you've got 500 people in there, and it was a real, a real mess. But we were glad to do it. And um, um, so it was, it was something we were glad to help and facilitate with, but it was not something we planned. It's just something that erupted. Um, the city of Port Arthur was mostly evacuated, so we spent the next two days watching 
military aircraft like C-130s and those big, huge military helicopters with the two big props that sound like a freight train. Uh, they were going in and out of the airport across the street, and they were airlifting thousands of people out. So we had thousands of people in 10 different shelters in the South County, and in about 48, 72 hours, they had airlifted them to somewhere else in Texas. Um, that process has climaxed, and the shelters are now empty. Um, so our job was, first of all, to be a temporary holding spot, and secondly, um, we were supplying those shelters with the food, water that they needed. So I made a call, and, and, and many of you brought stuff to the church. We got a church through the water, and that was specifically designed to, to, to facilitate the various shelters in the Port Arthur South County area. Uh, there's mass flooding, a lot of homes messed up. Uh, you know, you have to look at every area differently, like what happened in Fort Bend County versus Humble County, what happened in Sugarland, Richmond versus what happened in uh, Katy. It, it's different dynamics. You know, we're all vulnerable to levees and reservoirs and pumps. And so a pump failed near the Nederland campus and we got flooded. It's a high campus. We never thought we built it ourselves and we said we're going to build that thing so high it'll never flood. Well, I didn't know that if the pump breaks, we could flood. But you add about 45 inches of rain and a broken pump and everything we had got flooded. So it's okay. Uh, we'll get it fixed. They pulled out wet carpet all day yesterday and uh, we have a remediator already going in to work on that campus. We did have flood insurance and uh, so we're going to get some help from our insurance company on getting all that done. So that's where we are there. But the, the scenario in Beaumont, which is the city just to the north, was much different. The water system in the city of Beaumont was contaminated. Uh, again, pumps that are vital to the waterworks uh, uh, malfunctioned. They evacuated hospitals and nursing homes. The mayor asked the entire city to leave. 120,000 residents, and suddenly they were forced to leave because the water was not going to be on for 7 to 10 days. The national media was reporting 14. Um, and so the whole city suddenly began to evacuate. Uh, we had a waterway just north of the Beaumont Sanctuary, the Beaumont campus. Uh, there was, again, some kind of a failure in that waterway. And it flooded the neighborhood virtually across the street from the Beaumont campus. So again, we become a temporary emergency, get out of the rain, go someplace to sit and wait. And so we did that in Beaumont simultaneously. The neighborhood right behind the church was flooded. Homes that we'd never seen any water in was up to the, the doorknobs. So I stood in the parking lot and, and the, the C-130s are going overhead and the and the those big monster helicopters are taking people out. And then there are helicopters, the big military kind that was rescuing people within walking distance of the church. So you could see them fly over the trees and go down and then come back up. And it's so surreal. Uh, mil uh, the uh, Coast Guard was there, military convoys. I saw military vehicles I didn't know existed. It was just its so surreal. Like, my God, what's going on? This is really a war zone here or something. So anyway... Uh, that quit raining, water started going down, and so it was pockets of water that remained. And so we did water rescues. 
uh, facilitated that in our area. It's a big area like this, and so you just do what you can close by. But there was a lot of that going on. We had a, a line of boats across the street from the Beaumont Church that was going into that neighborhood and rescuing people and bringing them out and bringing them to our door. We kept them until they could get a plan. And so uh, that was all just an amazing experience. Glad to help, but it was just uh, kind of an unbelievable, is this really happening? The roadways were blocked. Interstate 10 was blocked in numerous water, over, underwater in numerous locations. Uh, Highway 90 was covered in water. That's the one I pushed water down for a long time. It was a scary deal, but thank the Lord I made it and got there. And then I got back out there. The water had gone down on the trip back yesterday. The highways north out of Beaumont were all closed. Uh, so you couldn't go west on Interstate 10. You couldn't go east on Center State 10. You couldn't go west on Highway 90. You couldn't go north on Highway 69. So there was just uh, a couple of ways you could get out, one through southern Louisiana. So it was a mess. Um, so then uh, we're all in emergency mode. And, you know, as a human being, you can only stay in emergency mode a long, so long. You're adrenaline pumping and you're making decisions. And, you know, it's just you can only stay like that so long. So, you know, we're all just really dragging like this is a long emergency. We gotta, this has got to be over with. And um, so... Um, we were doing what we could and holding on and knowing that it couldn't last forever. Um, the mayor came on and said, uh, I'm going to turn the water on Monday. We figured out a way to get water. It won't be clean, but it'll be water. And so uh, they cut it on yesterday, cut it off a couple times. They're cutting it on and off, repairing it, changing the filters. It's not fit to drink. But, um, you know, flushing the toilet goes a long way when you're in a disaster, and you really don't care how clean the water is if you need, as long as you can flush the toilet. The Beaumont location, the sewer system filled up with water, so even if you dip water out of the ditch to flush the toilet, it wouldn't go anywhere because the sewer system was backed up with water. So today they're having church right now in the Beaumont location. Uh, the area of damage uh, was not so extensive we couldn't conduct church. And we got four Johnny on the spots right out in the parking lot. Two for men, two for women. And um, so they're having church right now. And other churches are joining with us in those services because a lot of churches were flooded. We have three or four of our close relationships there. Their buildings were flooded as well. And we're doing what we can to help them and facilitate them. And so, um, so when the water came back on, as dirty as it was in Beaumont, the evacuation stopped, people started coming back in, water's going down, and um, Orange County is the last county before you get to Louisiana, and it was the last county to get hit. There's two major riverways that run through Orange County, the Natchez River and then the Sabine River. A lot of people live right between those, so you had water coming down from the north, both of them over their banks in flood stage. Orange County was a mess, and it was the last one to sign a say, okay, the water's starting to recede. I think the, the water's starting to recede in uh, Sabine River today, so, you know, that crisis is kind of over, and we're looking, we're looking now at the rebuild process. So that's kind of a summary of what it was like for our campuses. Uh, here, um, there is a table out in the foyer, and if you suffered damage to your home, especially if you were flooded, we want to know about it. And we want to help you um, and do what we can to make this recovery quick and easier than it would have otherwise been. Uh, so if you'll go out there and, and give us your name and address, 
Pastor Durbin and Stacia will get with you immediately this week, and we'll get busy trying to help. And uh, our contacts from all over the nation are calling, saying, how many men and women do you need? We want to bring people in to start mucking out houses and all that. So we're going to do what we can to help you, but we've got to have a list. So what happened here was, I know that somebody's name did not get to me. I know there's somebody probably here today that got flooded, and I don't even know it. But in this congregation, I didn't have one family that was flooded. I didn't have to go to anybody's flooded house. I didn't have to rescue anybody in this congregation. I thank God for that. I mean, we... <clears throat> you know, if our church was located in Rich Richardson, that probably wouldn't be the case. If we were located in Cedar, Bay Cedar Bayou where they got 52 inches, that probably wouldn't be the case. If we were located near that reservoir in, in, in Katy, that wouldn't have been the case. But just where we were geographically, this congregation was not heavily hit. Now, exceptions to that, that's why we got the table, because I want to jump on those. Now, if, if it's you, if it's your family, your neighbor, your close friend, we're, we're going to start with our church family and the people you and I are connected with personally. And then after that, we're going to help anybody that needs it. But if you'll give me a list, we'll get started right away. And we're going to channel a lot of outside help and a lot of inside help toward those people. But you've got you to gotta give us some information. Uh, we can't figure that out without your help. So it's church family. It's your family and friends, people you're close to. And then it's people in your neighborhood that we might not know. We'll try to help anybody. But we've got to have some information to make that happen. We're doing the same thing in Beaumont and Nederland. In the Nederland campus, we're creating a barracks for workers to come in so they have a place to stay, air-conditioned shower, water, you know, bedding where they can stay and then go out every day and work. Uh, hotels are mostly full, so uh, that's part of what we're doing there. A lot of you brought goods to the church, which we were able to get over to those shelters immediately. Thank you so much for that. Uh, we're going to continue to distribute the stuff we have. I'm going to ask you to hold on bringing more things to donate. Um, we're only going to respond to the need. So I'll shoot you a text or an email and say, I need this, and you can bring it. But, but there is a glut of help from all over the world that's hit Houston, an absolute glut. In addition to the fact that people all over the world are watching the news and wanting to help or sending things, I could have 20, I could have... Uh, I could have 10, 18 wheelers backed up to that door out there in the next 24 hours if I just say yes. So there's somewhat of a glut, and we need to be strategic and not just fill the church up with stuff that we want to give, but be more strategic. I've got what I need now, and we'll see what happens in another few days. Uh, not only that, uh, in my career of working hurricanes and floods, uh, corporate America has gotten smart. People like Walmart, HEB, and Raceway, and Exxon, and Shell, this is like Christmas in August for them. Literally. It's like Christmas in August. So they have retooled where that the first trucks that hit a disaster area like Beaumont that was closed off, dozens of HEB trucks. Thank God for it. Thank God for it. As soon as electricity comes on, they open the door and start selling stuff. Walmart. As soon as they got electricity, they start selling stuff. And they got lines of trucks to fill those Walmart shelves up. That, that's a game changer. There was a day when we'd have to wake a week or two to get a Walmart restocked or an HEB shelf filled up again. Now, they're like waiting on the edge of the storm and boom, they're in there. So it, it's a game changer. Uh, the, the, the huge 18-wheelers of food and water 
you need that right now. I mean, as soon as it happens. But after that, the whole system kicks in. The other thing I've noticed is that uh, um, the federal government is doing a much better job than it did in 04 and 05. Much better job than 04 and 05. Uh, between 2004 and 5, when those two Cat 5s went through Florida, and then we had Rita and Katrina here, and then Wilma, that was another Cat 4, the last Cat 4 that, that hit this country 12 years ago. But we've had so many catastrophes all over this country in the last 12 years or more that our government has figured out how to do it. They didn't know in 05 how to do it. I trust me, they didn't know. They threw a lot of money at it, but it was, it was a disaster. The churches really saved the day. But county governments know, know better now. They have better emergency plans. They know what to do, what not to do. Uh, it's just, unfortunately, we've been educated on natural disasters in the last decade, and we're doing a lot better responding. So uh, the rules have changed, and we have to retool our normal, this is what we did last time, to fit what needs to be done this time. So uh, that kind of gives you an idea of where we are. So the first phase of rebuild is mucking out homes. Uh, this is a terrible job. If you can take six or eight or ten guys and gals in there, you go in there and you throw everything wet out to the street. Carpet, wood, floors, uh, furniture, pillows, drapes, everything wet has to get out of the house immediately because the longer it stays in the house, the more damaged it is, the more dangerous it is. So right now, people all over Texas have, have or are now mucking things out. So I have all these teams from around the country saying, Pastor, how many men do you need? Do you have your addresses? Do you know where they need to go? Can you put them up for a night? And these men come in, like Pastor Frank Mazapika from New Covenant Humble. He's one of our sister churches. You know Frank. He's preached here several times. Anyway, his house got four foot of water. They live in an exclusive district in Kingwood. It don't matter how expensive your home was. That water don't care how much you paid for your house. They don't care how much you pay for it. And so he got four foot of water in there. So we sent a team in yesterday. They mucked out his house and got all the wet stuff out. And so that's the first step. So we're going to be leading teams of people, uh, giving them locations that come into our area and any of you that want to help and just muck out houses and get that stuff out to the street. So what happens is when a man and a woman walks back in their house that's been flooded, they're walking around kind of like this, like, uh, I don't know, and... Uh, it's an emotional trauma. I don't know if you've ever been through it, but when your house gets flooded and you got to walk through there and your couch is wet and your, your kitchen cabinets are soaked and you got to start pulling all that stuff out there, it is an emotional, horrible experience of your life. And uh, Renee and I went through that in 04. And you just kind of walk around in a daze. If you've never had it, you can't imagine what it does to you to see the stuff you've worked your whole life for and the things that's made your home a home. And um, so when we come in as an outside force, we make that process quick, quick, and we, we get them through it because they're just kind of staggering around saying, take that, no, don't take that, no, no, I'm going to try to save that, and they're doing all that for you, and you're just hauling stuff out. So in front of the street, you end up with these huge stacks of their, their precious items stacked up in a pile in the front street for the city to come get it. It's a terrible experience, but it does end, and it gets better. So then we have to try to dry homes. Now, my, my frame of reference here is uninsured motorists, uh, uninsured flood victims. You know, I'm assuming that if somebody has a good insurance policy, they'll give you help to get your house back. Now, we'll help anybody, 
but there has to be a bullseye and a target. You can't help everybody. You can't do everything for everybody. But, but we're going to try to really look for uninsured people that really need help. So you muck the house out. Then most people have to move back in their house before it's finished. Not always. If you've got insurance or you've got, you know, you've got some money put back, you may can get another place to live and wait till it's finished and move back in. But lots of people don't have that as an option. They just don't. And so that's where you and I come in. We come in and try to purchase mattresses and refrigerators, send an air-conditioned man out to fix our air-condition and get him some cool air and stuff blowing, and um, maybe an electrician to make sure that their house is not going to catch on fire. It's that kind of stuff. So how do I do that? Well, generous people give me money because that stage cannot be done with money. It just can't, I'm without money. Like you can say, all right, 10 of y'all, come on, we're going to go muck out somebody's house. That don't cost any money. Just get over there, muck it out, and go home and take a bath. But when you're talking about a refrigerator and a mattress, you've you got to go down and buy that somewhere. You've got to have to be able to write a check. So, uh, so if you want to help financially, think of it like this. You know, I want to buy a mattress or I want to buy a family three more mattresses so they got something to sleep on. Or I want to replace somebody's refrigerator. And what, is a, what does a good refrigerator cost? And um, if you turn that in, I promise you that uh, we'll spend it very carefully, very wisely. And uh, also, um, you know, I'm, I, I I'm getting donations from other organizations. Uh, before the rain stopped, my friend in Colleen, Texas said, I've already sent you $20,000 on your website via credit card, I, I'm sending you $20,000. Use it any way you want to use it. Just help folks. So um, more of that has started to happen, and I believe more will. Churches in Covenant, uh, they've asked me to be the uh, representative for them in the Beaumont, Port Arthur area, and they are raising a million dollars, and I will have some little piece of that. I don't know. Most of it will go to Houston because it's a bigger area, but I can help, you know, Celebration Church and Iglesia Triumfo and um, Praise Christian Center and, and uh, those other churches that got flooded, pastors' houses were flooded. You know, I can jump out there and help. And then, and then uh, it gives me some money to buy a refrigerator or mattress or whatever the urgent need is. People have different needs. Like somebody gives them a mattress, I get the refrigerator. Well, if they got both of those, I may say, well, we're going to try to get an electrician out there to check your electricity and make sure you can turn the power on, all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's something like that. So uh, it's the rebuild. It's put their lives back together, and you've got to take every case individual because every case is unique, and you just try to figure out what do they need. How could we get them to the next step? We can't solve all their problems. We can't rebuild their whole house, but can we get the next step done for them, like, you know, muck out your house? Well, the next step is it's got to be dried. So um, today, I'm like this day, I'm trying to buy two trailer loads of this equipment that we dry out houses with. It's these big commercial fans, and it's this, these dehues. And so um, I, need, I, got, I need two trailers full of this equipment. So each trailer represents a house. So I can go to the average house, and we can go in there and dry that house for them. Because you can't just open the windows and wait till it dries. You'll have mold everywhere. And what you, what you saved, like the upstairs, 
It'll be, uh, it'll be molded and horrible. You've got to go dry it out. Then you've got to get a man to certify it and say your house has been correctly dried because someday you want to sell that house. You want to make sure you can prove that there's not stuff growing in the walls that you can't see. So you've got to get it dried, and it takes equipment to do that. And if people can't afford it, we move to the next one. But when you've got those families that say, we can't afford remediators. These people, call, you know, they make good money. It's, it's expensive to get your house dried out. So if we can take a trailer load of equipment and, and a couple of guys go over there and hook those fans up, leave them for about three days, when we're done, they can get it certified. They can get on with their life, start putting sheetrock back, back on the walls. But you, you can't put sheetrock on the walls till you get it dried and certified that it was dried correctly and you know there's not wall, mold growing in the walls. So I need two trailers, and I, I don't know how much it's going to cost yet. I wish I had the number, but um, I, 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 I'm working on it. And uh, I need two trailers each so I can do two houses at once. Like if I had that trailer today, it'd be at Frank Mazapika's right now in, uh, what, in uh, King, King, what is it? Kingwood, it'd be in Kingwood right now drying out his house because he mucked it out yesterday, turned the fans on today, three or four days then, you know, he can take the next step forward. Um, so that, that's what I need. I need two trailers full of this equipment, and it's going to be several thousand dollars. I don't know how much it is. I, I did this before. That's why I'm, I already got the plan, because I've already been through this, and I know what it takes. Uh, it's just that I don't know how much it's going to cost 10 years later. I don't know how much the equipment this time is going to cost. So I'm trying to get the equipment, get the trailer. So this is a tool we can use. So instead of just buying one refrigerator for one family, I get this trailer. I make and help 20 families over the next 60 days. You see what I'm saying? Maybe, maybe even more. Uh, and so uh, just trying to do what we can. And, and anything you want to be a part of, I appreciate it very, very much. Did I say that Pastor Durbin and Stacia were our coordinator? Stacia, would you all stand up like like they're going to represent us. They're going to be our field representative, and uh, they're going to help me with that. Thank you very much. So how you can get involved. First of all, when you see a need, fix it. If you can. You can't fix everybody's problems, but if you've got something you, can, you see needed, just fix it yourself. Don't call me and say, hey, pastor, so-and-so needs this. Just go do it. All right? We don't, we, the body of Christ doesn't need a lot of organization. We're so full of compassion. We're so blessed. We've got so much in smarts. We can help people. We don't need to be organized and run everything through the pastor. Just go fix it. Just go do what you can. And if you've got a couple of brothers and sisters here in the church, you've got your life team going, call your life team. Say, hey, we're about to have a life team meeting. Wear your rubber boots. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so just jump out there and do what you can. I'm already hearing that happen, and I'm just repeating what I already see happening. So do what you can immediately for whomever you can um, in any way that you can. Uh, you can join a, a team of cleanup, rebuild people. Just you, you, There may be your neighbor, and they're hauling stuff out. It may be a, somebody just stop and help. And believe me, they'll, they'll appreciate the help. Just get in there and uh, help those people, whatever opportunity comes their way. You know, your corporation, the people you work for, your companies, they're all doing something. Well, jump in there and make that happen. Um, I have a sign-up outside. If you'd like to be a part of our team, sign up outside, and uh, I'll let you know how, how, what's happening and when it's happening. We're just at the beginning of the rebuild now. We're just at these, the, all this is just getting going. We're out of the emergency. Now we're in the rebuild, and so all these things is happening right now. Uh, I also told you that I, I really don't want any more random donations for items. Uh, 
you know, until I call for them because th that's really not what is needed now. That I, at least that's not on my radar screen. So uh, just hold on that, and I'll send you an email when something else comes up, and it'll be this is the items we need, and maybe you can help with that. Also, um, um, our focus is uninsured flood victims, uninsured flood victims. And to really help them, at some point, you've got to have cash, you've got to have money to spend. And anything you want to do, um, we'll, we'll get it going in the right direction. I don't, want, I don't want money that's so designated my hands are tied. In other words, well, I just want to help people in Richmond or, or Sugarland or Stafford. Uh, don't tie my hands with that kind of stuff. If you got somebody you want to help, say, I want to help so-and-so, I'll go help so-and-so. But I can't end up with thousands of dollars and can't, can't move, you know. So just let us use it wherever we need to use it. If it's somebody here, it's going to be here. If it's somebody in Beaumont or Port Arthur, or if it's Pastor Maz in, in uh, Kingwood, it'll be up there. But it's, going to, you know, it's our radar screen. It's our family. It's our friends. It's our neighbors. It's, it's people in our radar screen. There's, there's so many thousands of people, they're not all on my radar screen, but we're trying to reach the people that's on our radar screen, yours and mine, and we're going to try to help. So uh, anything you give, we're going to use it wisely, uh, but, I, but I want to be, have the flexibility where when a need happens, we can move quickly and not be restricted on, well, we're helping this and we're not helping that. And of course, again, I want to say that our, uh, our focus is on um, uninsured flood victims. Man, where'd the morning go? Where'd the morning go? <clears throat> so, somehow in the next few minutes, I've got to talk to you about what I believe God is saying through Hurricane Harvey. This is a very significant event. When a major storm happens to you, it is a point of reference for the rest of your life. It's before the storm, during the storm, after the storm, for the rest of your life. Those of you who have been hanging around me, periodically you're going to hear me tell a storm story. Because every storm uh, that I've ever been through was like a line across your life. And it, was, it isn't just a story you tell about something you've been through. But your life changes after every major storm. And even if your house wasn't flooded, there is something that happens in the spirit and your life is not quite the same and, and, and something shifts. And, you know, when you're all anxious to go back to work and get your normal life back, you don't feel it. But when you look back after a while, you say, man, something shifted in my life at Hurricane Harvey. Something changed. And for everybody, it'll be unique and different. But something shifts at these major storms. And later on, you'll look back and, you know, say, you know what, after Hurricane Harvey, this happened or that happened and this changed and that changed. Because somehow it, it, it causes a shift in the spiritual atmosphere and the climate of our lives. And uh, remember that storms have a dual nature, a dual nature. And, and you have to understand this about life because it gets real confusing. Did the devil do the storm or did God do the storm? Well, it's just the devil, because God doesn't do those things. It's not quite that simple. It's not like A or B. God, devil, pick one. It's like a coin. One side is heads, and one side is tails, but it's the same coin. 
And so when you hear me talking about storms, sometimes I'm going to talk to you about heads, and sometimes I'm going to talk to you about tails, but it's going to be the same storm. The dual nature is that God is at work through storms, but He doesn't trigger storms. They're triggered by demonic activity in the heavenlies that is reflected in the natural world. I believe that storms are a reflection of demonic activity in the spirit realm. Jesus talked about the invisible world, what was happening in the spirit. He talked about the connection between the invisible world and the natural world. And after he had sent his disciples out to preach the gospel, they came back and he got all excited. And he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. So while they're out there preaching and ministering the kingdom of God to people, he's looking in the spirit realm, and he said, what you were doing on earth, I saw in the spirit realm, and it was like lightning was falling from heaven. So there's a parallel with what happens in the earth and what happens in the spirit realm. And I believe that these kinds of storms are demonically initiated. I believe they're birthed out of hell and driven by the powers of darkness. If you've listened to the news and heard all the climatologists uh, talk about this storm, the most unique hurricane they've ever tracked, certain dynamics of that storm and the way it developed, they've never tracked a storm like that before. Totally unique, not just bigger, but the way it moved and the way it turned and the way it acted was totally different than anything else before. And I believe that it was birthed straight out of hell. But nevertheless, there is the other side of the coin. God uses all these things to communicate a message to his people and his church. Everything that happens somehow is a part of what God is saying and God is doing because God is God and he doesn't stop being God for a second. So, you know, when an earthquake in 2012 went up the eastern starboard and it, it went right through the capital of this nation, and did significant damage to the National Cathedral and the Washington Monument. They spent years trying to get it repaired. You can count on it. God was trying to say something. Now, maybe I don't know what the message was, but I know, thinking well, it was a message. When, a, when an earthquake goes straight to the National Cathedral in Washington, D.C., and also strikes the Washington Monument, and, and hardly anything else in the city was damaged except those two things, the founder of the nation and the heart of religious worship in America, the National Cathedral. The trick is trying to figure out, God, what are you saying to us? We're not saying you put this storm on us. We're not saying that this is the wrath of God. We're just saying, God, what are you trying to say to us through this terrible, terrible storm? You know, everything in the system of the world is designed to pull me away from God. The whole world is geared and the nature and the purpose. Everything you happen in the system of the world is designed to pull me away from God. But everything God is doing and saying, everything God is allowing to happen, is designed to pull me back to God. So a storm can drive you away from God, or it can pull you to God. Regardless of what happens in my life, whatever storm may be, it could be a marriage storm, a health storm, a financial storm, it could be a flooded house, but whatever the storm is, I have to say, God is going to use this somehow First of all, to make me a better person, and second of all, to bless my life. 
God's first intent is to conform me to the image of His Son. His second idea is to bless my life and make me happy, healthy, wealthy, and wise, right? But God says, I'm going to do something in you. And if it takes a flood or a storm or a sickness or something that the devil initiates, he said, I can use that. I can use that. And when it's all over with, you'll be more like my son and your, 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 your uh, composition will be more divine and holy than ever before. So I say somehow or another, we're going to be a better church and better individuals after Hurricane Harvey. The first thing I believe that God is saying is that God's calling America back to Himself. And I believe that all that happens is God's allowing the enemy to destroy us, but at the same time saying, I'm going to use this to cause people to come back to God. And after national tragedies, we see people go to the house of God and have national days of prayer and start showing up in the house of God. And then after a while, the emergency ends and they drift back off and they go back into the same exact lifestyle. You see, God speaks to individuals and He speaks to cultures collectively. When I say God's speaking to America, it's the collective culture of America He's speaking to. He speaks individually, me and you. But He is speaking collectively to the culture, a culture that has continually moved further and further away from God. You and I are living lifestyles that are less centered around Christ than probably are at earlier times in our lives. We are participating in and failing to participate in other things that, that move us further and further away from God. Our value system is changing as we spend our time and money in different places less and less on the things that really matter. This culture is defiling us. Now, the word defilement, and I'm trying not to slip into my teaching mode here because I don't have time this morning, but the defilement is when someone puts something on you that is filthy, dirty, or contaminated. That's defilement. Like if I were to throw dirty water on you, I would have defiled you. This culture is defiling us. Like if the flood comes into your home It is the nastiest, stinkingest water you've ever smelled in your life. It is horrible. Flood water is nasty, and it defiles your home. Our culture is a flood that is defiling us. It is putting stuff on us that we didn't necessarily ask for, but we're a part of, and it contaminates our mind, our thinking, our spirit, our habits, and our lifestyle. So I believe God is saying, America, come back to me. You don't want what the devil is dishing out. Come back to me and I will bless you. Come back to me, America, I will cover and protect you. Come back to me, America, and I will heal the breach uh, in in your country. If you'll come back to me, I'll heal these problems. But if you don't, they're gonna get worse. They're going to get worse. Man, we can't hardly set a record in national disasters until it's broken and another one is made. I never dreamed I'd be in a worse storm than Hurricane Rita. I never dreamed it'd get worse than that. I had no idea what was ahead. So God says, come back to me or the devil's just going to get worse and worse and more and more is going to happen if you don't come back to me. The second thing I think God is saying is, So you don't want to go to church? I'll give you something else to do on Sunday. So you think about this. 
Think about this. From Corpus Christi, South Texas, all the way to Beaumont on the border of Louisiana, the whole length of the Texas Gulf Coast, the entire Gulf Coast of Texas, there was no church last Sunday morning. The doors were shut. The lights were off. And people were doing something else last Sunday. I can't find anybody that can find a historic comparison to that. Not a single historic comparison. We've had war. We've had terrorists. We've had floods and earthquakes and fires. There's never been a time when that many thousands of churches were dark on a Sunday morning. Do you think that might have been significant? Do you think we might ought to take note of the fact that church attendance in America continues to fall as on the whole? The fact that people are picking Sundays they go and Sundays they don't go? That our whole lifestyle is designed in such a way that we have other things to do on, on the weekends and we only go into church about two to two and a half times a month maybe because all the other weekends are filled up with other things. And not bad things, not sinful things, just other things. Just other things. And, as a law, and by and large, this culture is deciding that weekly worship is not so important. Millions of God-fearing Christians are deciding that monthly worship is really all you need. You don't need weekly worship. Now, calm down, teaching gift. But let me just tell you this. God was saying to America, so you don't want to go to church on Sunday? I'll give you something else to do this Sunday, and you can just all stay home and fight the hurricane and the flood and the rains. Because that's the way God thinks. Think about this. Do you realize how many millions of dollars did not come into the kingdom of God last Sunday? Millions of dollars. When you're talking about thousands of churches from Corpus all the way to Beaumont, you're talking about millions of dollars that did not come into the kingdom of God. Our income last week was barely 10% of our normal weekly income. This week in Beaumont and Needland, there's hardly a church in operation. Ours, maybe one or two more. I don't know all that's going on there. But for many of them, it'll be two weeks in a row we didn't receive any income to speak of. So look at the economical impact that this has on the kingdom of God with these storms. Somehow it's a message we got to come back to the principle of weekly worship. Just say this and I'll move on. The earth is on a seven-day cycle. It's a seven-day cycle. Our bodies, our spirit, everything about us is a part of that creative cycle of seven days. And for millenniums, God has said, have a pattern of weekly worship because it fits in to that seven-day cycle that I created this whole planet in, fit, fits in. So I'm encouraging you as your pastor, make a commitment to weekly worship and build your life around it instead of building your weekly worship around whatever's going on that week. <clears throat> the third thing is uh, remember... Noah's flood. Remember Noah's flood. What happened in Noah's flood? God destroyed the wicked and he saved the righteous. So the same flood that 
destroyed the wicked, saved the righteous, and then there was a renewal thereafter. So it was destructive, it was horrible, unimaginable, nothing has ever happened, and God said He promised He'd never do that again. But it was a destruction of bad things, and it was a rebirth of good things. And that's the pattern of Noah's flood. So as a child of God, I'd say to you, I believe that there's a line drawn across the sand, and this is the end of bad things and the beginning of new things, and there's going to be a spiritual and natural rebirth that's going to happen in our lives. Major storms, they draw a line across our lives, and they give us an opportunity for a fresh start and a fresh beginning. And I want to encourage you sitting here and those of you watching online somehow or Facebook, I want to encourage you to let this be a line across the, life, the, the, the path of your life and say, this is going to be a new fresh beginning for me in multiple areas of my life. This is going to be the end of something old and the beginning of something better for me. Can you do that? Can you say this is the beginning of a fresh new start for us? That could be your marriage, it could be your family, could be your career, could be your personal health. Whatever it is, use this as an opportunity to say, we're stepping out of the ark and it's a new day. And good things are going to happen in my life. Can you say amen? amen. The fourth thing that I believe God is saying is, lots of water means lots of Holy Spirit. Throughout your Bible, water was reflective and, and it illustrated the Holy Spirit. So every time I see lots of water, you know, I just believe, well, Lord, I believe there's going to be a parallel in my life of the Holy Spirit. Just like I've seen more water in the last two weeks than I've ever seen. I mean, I, I, it's just unbelievable the amount of water that dropped down upon us in the last few days. Uh, Cedar Bayou, they're re rec recording like 52 inches. Uh, in my, our Beaumont home that thankfully was spared, uh, there was 30-something inches in hardly 24, 28 hours. You, you know, that's an unbelievable amount of water. That area over there got 45, 47 inches at least. And then all the water from the, you know, the inland comes down and sweeps out to the Gulf just like the Brazos does here. And it's just a mess. Lots and lots of water. But lots of water means lots of Holy Spirit. Now, Harvey, Harvey was dirty. It's called Cat 5. What that means is not how big the storm was. It's how nasty the water is. So they gauge how nasty is the flood water. Some water is more nasty than others for all the reasons you can imagine. But at the end of the day, this was a Cat 5 flood, which means the water that came in a house is extremely dangerous, extremely toxic. Toxic. So I'm believing God for a cat flive outpouring of the Holy Spirit, a flooding of God's goodness and grace in our lives. <clears throat> this culture is full of dirty water, and you and I drink it every day. The entertainment business is defiling us and polluting our hearts, our minds, and is reconfiguring our concepts of right and wrong, moral and immoral, good and evil. The entertainment industry is one of the devil's primary tools. Entertainment by itself is not evil. There's lots of great entertainment, right? But when you look at the entertainment industry, it is one of the, most, one of the greatest spiritually pollutant, morally polluting elements of our society. It's cat five water, and we need to see it for what it is. 
water makes me thirsty. Um, and there needs to be an increase of thirst for you and I spiritually. When people are thirsty for pure water of the Holy Spirit, they do more private devotion. They're more likely to be in weekly worship. They're more likely to participate in a Bible study or a small group somewhere. Spiritual thirst brings us to God. And at some point, you've got to acknowledge the spiritual thirst in your heart. Don't blame it on the fact you've been working hard and you need a vacation. Or you've had drama in your family and you just need a break. It could be more than just that. It could be a deep spiritual hunger in your being as your inner man cries out for more of God. You can make all the money in the world and it won't satisfy the spiritual hunger in your heart and, and quench the spiritual thirst that is built into you. You can be successful, you can reach your goals, you can have all your ducks in a row and be living the most comfortable life humans have ever lived on planet earth and still be destitute on the inside. So I'm asking you to look inside and ask yourself, what level of spiritual hunger am I at right now? Now let me say that personally, I'm probably at one of the most thirsty moments in my life. I'm probably right now, before the storm ever hit, at a place where I'm more hungry for a Holy Spirit flood, a Holy Spirit outpouring, a Holy Spirit hurricane than I've ever been before. I talked to you about parallels and how that for whatever reason, God put us on the Gulf Coast and Renan and I have been managing storms for years. In 1980, in 1990, and you got a lot of history, you got to think hard. You, in 19, let's see, oh yeah, in 1989, we were worshiping in a big tent. We, we're having church in a tent because we outgrew the building. We put up this big tent uh, because we had to have church in the tent while we were building a new building and Neyland was just flooded. So a hurricane came along. So like at 1 o'clock in the morning, we realized that joker's headed straight for us. We've got to pull that tent down or it's going to be in Dallas by in the morning. So I get on the phone in the middle of the night, and I'm calling all the guys saying, meet me down at the church. There's a hurricane coming. And so uh, we got down there in the middle of the night. We pulled that tent down and saved the tent. Hurricane passed through. We put the tent back up. So I got all those stories. But I also have great experiences in God and in the Holy Spirit. And uh, I go back to those moments, and I go back to those times, and um, I feel like that not our church or some other church you're related to, but just across the board, there's been a, a famine for the water of the Holy Spirit this entire century. We're 16, 17 years into the 21st century, and there not, has not been a sustained, measurable outpouring of the Spirit in America. Doesn't mean we hadn't had showers, doesn't mean churches hadn't experienced some great things, individual miracles, but when you look at the history of the church, there has not been a major outpouring of God in the 21st century. So the parallel that I see and that I'm believing God for, I'm asking you to get on board with your faith, is that just like we had a record-breaking, never-happened-before hurricane, we're going to have a record-breaking, never-happened-before outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And so this is the other part 
of what I see and what I believe God is saying to us that we need to hook up our faith to. Of all the places this could have happened, East Texas was chosen. And of all the places God could pour out His Spirit, I'm praying and believing it's going to be East Texas. And so someday the history will be written that in 2017, the worst, most damaging storm in the history of America took place. And immediately thereafter, there came the greatest outpouring of the Spirit America has ever seen. Thank you for giving me this time this morning. It's an honor and it's something that I cherish to be able to share this with you. So, Pastor, what should we do collectively, as a whole, not just you or me, but everybody? Return to God. Seek Him with your whole heart. Correct your lifestyle. That's the pattern of life. It's not what you did yesterday, but it's your pattern of life, the way you live. And remember, don't forsake the principle of weekly worship in your life. Don't forsake the principle of weekly worship. A lot of things are going to work out if you'll just be faithful to the house of God. A lot of problems you're dealing with now, they'll go away if you'll be faithful to the house of God. It's been proven for millennials. Weekly worship. Return to God. Seek Him with your whole heart. Spend more time with Him in mind than your own goals and your own pursuits. Correct anything in your lifestyle. It may not be awful and sinful, but it's just not helpful spiritually. And then remember to get back to weekly worship. Can you say amen? Okay, so here's where we are. Yeah, thank you. Um, we're, we're using our reserves because our income has just nearly went away the last couple of weeks. We're using our reserves. That's to function, operate churches. We're one church in multiple locations. So that means we're taking the money from wherever, whoever gives it. And we're spreading it around to the various campuses to make sure that all the campuses are in good shape. So anything you give today is very helpful and very much appreciated as we kind of recover from where we are and realize that, um, especially in those campuses over there, people are still gone. They're not even there. They're evacuated. So how can they? Anyway, so anything you want to do would be really appreciated. Thank you so much. And just believing in this house, believing what God is doing through this church and how that we're playing a vital role for God in our region. Think about those churches over there that are struggling and um, you know, your insurance might help you buy a new piece of carpet, but it, it doesn't pay your bills. 
not flood. So anyway, that's the way it is. If uh, you want to make a donation to Harvey, that would be very helpful. I'll make sure that gets in a separate account and we try to channel that toward Harvey. But as just as a pastor and a steward of, of this house, I got to tell you, we need a pair of bills first and then start working on refrigerators and uh, mattresses later, right? So uh, whatever you want to do is fine. Some of you can do both, however the Lord's blessed you. We just give according to our blessing, and I'll keep you informed as things change. Okay, so let's give our offering. You ready? Let's give our offering. You'll see the offering envelopes there. You can pull out your phone and give it on our Triumph Church app with your push pay, however you want to do that. There's a drop box in the foyer if that suits you. Just try to make it convenient for everybody. Honey, are you about ready to come up? I don't know exactly what we ought to do here. We had a lot of things we wanted to do this morning, but I've taken, I've taken uh, at least an hour, which I don't ever do, but shoot, it's a hurricane, man. We never had one like this before. I've done a whole lot of things I don't normally do in the last two weeks. How about you? You all ready to give? Hey, listen, if you're a guest, there's a guest card in the back of your seat. It's a big tall card. I don't have one in my hand, Rodney. <laughs> but uh, anyway, if you'll fill that out and put that, uh, fill that card off in the back and tear that piece right there off, we'll communicate with you digitally. We don't send a lot of snail mail, but we'll send you an email let you know what's happening, keep you informed about what's taking place here. Okay, honey, we, we need to end it, but there's some things we need to do, and I'm going to let you take it from here, okay? Give Pastor Renee a hand clap. Well, he told me a whole bunch of things to do, and then he just said he didn't know what to do. So I'm going to play it by ear, and I know you're ready to, and many of you are ready to go. But thank you, honey, for the word today. I feel like that we need that, and I concur that it's exactly what is going to happen. The um, Wednesday before the storm, we didn't know anything about a storm. Um, a week and a half ago, on a Wednesday, we came here. My sister dropped me off. We were working on the wedding, and I dropped off here early. And there was a double rainbow out here. Uh, Judy took a picture of it. I took a picture of it, and I sent a word uh, to Pastor and, and our, our staff. And uh, not having any clue that we were about to see a storm, but God said that there is a double blessing and a double promise that he is giving to us, and he's turning the tables on the enemy. Do not be afraid. Do not be upset. And he's giving me this word, and I didn't have a clue what was coming. And that's the thing about a prophetic word is you don't know always uh, the language of it at the moment, but God always knows and he always prepares us and I'm so grateful that he is giving us an opportunity to turn things around and a newness that's coming over this area. Isn't God great that even in natural disasters there's redemption. His own redemption is written in and I'm grateful for that. We wanted to just give a few shout outs of thank you to some of the heroes of Harvey in this congregation. John Luna, if you're in the building, thank you. 
uh, this is a brand new member here. Are you here, John? They sent immediately trucks uh, to Nederland, Beaumont, uh, Pastor Dervin, Rodney, Stacia, Jimmy Watts. They all went down and took trucks. We have some pictures. You can roll them now. We want you to see the good things that are happening. We have seen eight days of devastation, but God is turning it now. Last Saturday, we stood right here and, and filmed for you all. Hopefully, you saw us on uh, social media last week. And uh, God spoke to us and said he was turning the tables on the enemy. And that's exactly what's happening right now. He shouldn't have messed with us. That's all I've got to say. He should not have messed with us. Uh, some great things are coming out of it. Uh, Judy Hoffman and her entire family have been at this church almost night and day, watching over it, keeping it, caring for it, bringing things in and out. Thank you. The Harrises took in families by the dozens, including my own husband. Thank you very much to the Harrises. Uh, Tracy and Clorinda took in five or six families in their house beside their own. People just do what it takes. Thank you, Jesus, and thank you, people of God. Uh, it's just awesome. Sam, my uh, to-be son-in-law right here, took in a van load yesterday morning, just packed to the very top. And those people, our staff, had not had anything to eat, and they were weeping and crying as they came in with food. And they brought all my grandkids out. Wasn't that awesome? And uh, so I've got six grandkids now at my house. So thank you, Jesus. Well, Hannah's helping me. And uh, then, <laughs> then we got the Winraystros that are there today at Terry High School, their whole family. These are families that are totally uh, connecting to the issues and the problems and helping them. Uh, the Galdamez has spent all week helping people. I can't even tell you how many people they have reached out to and ministered to this week. Then we got people like, and I want these guys to come up here quickly, Terry Bankin and Byron Bankin. These are heroes of Horik. Come up here. These guys are amazing. They took boats. They took boats. They went into Nederland, Beaumont, Port Arthur. They were uh, Randon said, Mom, it's unbelievable what these guys, they were dragging people out of houses and homes. And come up here just a minute and tell us what y'all saw real quick. Thank you, thank you. I'll try to go quickly. It really, it was just God that kind of was with us the whole time. We didn't have anything. We just had my brother's truck. And we pull up to the first place here in Houston. We started in Houston. And there was a lady with a boat, but she couldn't do anything with it. So we just went out and started saving babies and, and, and families, just pulling them here, wherever we could, whatever they could do. We didn't have anything. And uh, the next couple of days, we, every, it seemed like well, we can't do anything tomorrow because the lady took her boat back. And somebody else said, well, we've got a boat. Well, let's hook up and go together. We don't have a truck. The next day... Uh, Byron's in-laws had two, two boats and we went to Port Arthur in the middle of the worst thing I've ever seen just pulling people out of their house with water up to here and bringing them back to get their clothes whatever they needed little bitty things that you think well maybe you didn't need to do that but it was special to them I didn't need anything after the first day 
when you see the look in the eyes of the, the father and the son that you reunite, little toddler, that's all you need. <laughs> Some people tried to hand us hundreds of dollars, and we, we don't need any of that. All we need is, we've got all we need. We're just thankful to be used by God. Sorry, I can't talk. Just ditto. <laughs> in, in order to not weep in front of you, it's just ditto. It's just God blessed us, put us in the right place at the right time. Uh, he, he kept us safe, uh, as Pastor knows. We drove the last night in for four miles and four foot of, of water behind a, three cars with cars floating out. He just kept his hand upon us. Police escort. We went through five police escorts. A DPS officer actually escorted us from Houston to Beaumont one day. It was just, it was just God's timing. Uh, the people that we were able to help, it was just, it was all glory to God. We just did what we could. Um, uh, my wife gave, uh, told me a quote yesterday. Uh, Love has to look like something. It has to look like something. And so that's what we did. We just tried to do what we could and uh, just uh, praying for blessings upon this area. So, uh, uh, shifting here really quickly, I have two announcements, um, and I, I spoke this to the uh, the young people several weeks ago. We've been pushing encounters with God, and we had several the supernatural summers, some incredible, miraculous thing. And I said, you know what? When God, when something, and and that's the enemy. When some uh, the enemy puts something incredibly terrible upon a a, a human body or a, a group of people or a, a, an, an area, it's only positioning. God to do the miraculous. And that's what we're believing. We're believing in an outpouring of your of his spirit in the next uh, the, for the next two services. We have some really awesome things for the youth. This Wednesday, we are actually going to have the youth do the whole service. They'll be doing the music um, and pastors asked me to be doing the speaking. So we'll we're going to have an incredible time next Wednesday, uh, this coming Wednesday. This coming Wednesday we'll be doing the entire service for the young people. And then next Sunday, September 10th. This is very important. We had to postpone last time but September 10th, next Sunday, we were going to have our first youth service. So you guys will have a, having a service in here. We will have a service in Epic. And so we'll be just uh, celebrating and uh, trying to reach the youth in that area. So next Sunday, be praying for us in Jesus' name. Awesome. Growth track next Sunday. It was put off because, of course, the, the things that we are dealing with right now. So it is next Sunday. And remember uh, that Pastor Dervin and Stacia will be outside to receive anyone that wants to help or you need someone to be helped. They will be uh, running that entire thing, and it's going to be an awesome thing to see everybody helping. Some good things are in store. Life teams are going to start October the 1st, and we're looking for leaders Everybody that wants to be a leader, sign up at our Life Team Hub today. We're going to get started, and we'll point you in the right direction. We have some uh, Life Team leadership uh, things coming up on Wednesday night in the next couple weeks, so we'll stay tuned for that. One last announcement, and then we're going to ask our prayer partners to come, and we're going to bless you out today. One last thing is, and this is a good thing, uh, Hannah has been... Um, Many, I know you've received an invitation that September the 8th, we have moved that 
to September the 29th, we're going to celebrate Hannah's wedding here. Uh, and everybody's invited, and it will be in this house, banquet style. We're, we're going to eat, we're going to celebrate, we're going to rejoice. But they have had to push that wedding forward uh, to get family and friends here. So know that you're invited. If you don't get a written invitation, just know it right now, and uh, it's, it's a done deal, okay? So we're going to celebrate on September the 29th. Now... If you'll stand with me all over the building, I'm going to ask our prayer partners that are ministering in the altar this morning to make themselves available because at Triumph, you never, ever leave without having an opportunity for somebody to pray with you about your need. Thank you for being with us, and I know we're gone later today, but as Pastor said, shoot. <laughs> it's just... Uh, you know, Hurricane Harvey moved in and, and he hung us out as long as he wanted to. So we're going to hang out at church today. Okay. And uh, we may be doing more. Our worship team's going to continue to minister. You can stay as long as you want. But if you have a need that you want someone to agree with you or someone you know or anything that's affecting you that you need a prayer of agreement, these people are tanked up fired up, ready to come into agreement with you. And for the rest of you, we bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus. We declare, Father, that your word is with them and is a lamp unto their feet and a light unto their path. We thank you, Lord, that you are blessing them and your face will shine upon them. Give them peace because the God of peace shall soon crush Satan under our feet. So we thank you that peace is over their minds as they walk out of this place today. Fill them, fill them, Lord, with your ever-living water of life. Let it flow to every person they meet. We thank you, Father, for every good thing that's going to come from what the enemy has meant for destruction. We thank you today, Lord Jesus, that you're turning the tables on the enemy. And we declare and decree that revival and awakening has come, not is, but has come to America, to Southeast Texas, to this house, to all over this region. We declare, Lord Jesus, that an uproar, an absolutely bubbling up of water, of living life, water is flowing from this place and from the people of God. We decree and declare that over them. Let them be blessed in the city, blessed in the field, and everywhere they go, let them make you look great. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it. We bless you. We'll see you Wednesday evening. If you need us, we're here. God bless you. And if you need help, we're here to pray for you now. So don't leave without prayer. We love you. God bless you.